for another edition of the Ultimate Weigh-In Show. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we are going over UFC Vegas 36, headlined by a pivotal middleweight scrap between Derek Brunson and Darren Till. This is a must-win situation for Darren Till, in my, uh, in my opinion, so I'm very much looking forward to seeing how he approaches this fight and if he is able to come out victorious. Now, I did tease throughout the week that we're going to be having a pretty uh, – big slash banger of a ultimate weigh-in show and i'm glad that i was able to deliver for you guys once again you guys have been hounding me since ufc 264 to get this man back on and you guys obviously know you guys can follow him over on his ig and his twitter and obviously he has the espn mma betting show as well that he does on their youtubes but he is always ever so gracious with his uh, time to come out on here and come on a measly little channel like mine to break down some fights so i just want to bring in our first guest first and foremost we got my guy james kraus james how's it going brother Good, man. Really good. Stoked to be here. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We do have Eddie Cha as well. Mr. Fight Ready Eddie Cha. However, he is running a little late. He was on a business call at the gym. He is on his way home. And as soon as he gets onto the chat, we're going to throw him on into here. But we might as well get the show started. I know James is rearing to uh, get things going and start talking about some bets. Uh, I do want to quickly shout out John Anik. I love this one more sleep shirt that he started selling on this IG and uh, on Billions.com, I believe it is. Damn, it is so sweet. It might be my Friday night shirt now before fights because I'm always so jacked up the day before fights. But uh, James, before we actually get into the breakdowns here, is there one fight specifically you're looking at here? You're like, oh shit, I, I need to be sitting down and watching this fight. Is there one that sticks out to you on this card? Well, the one that I was really excited about uh, just got pulled, which was Martinez Rojo. I was really I was really stoked about that. Uh, I think uh, I think Erosa Jordan is gonna be is gonna be fun. I don't see that going to decision. Um, it's, I feel like this card could be one of those cards that's like a sleeper card. You know, on paper, it doesn't look like it's anything crazy. But sometimes those are the best ones, you know, like that. Uh, I learned a long time ago not to really pay attention to the to the name value on the card. Sometimes those ones are the best ones. So, uh, man, I'm, I'm a fan every weekend. You know, it doesn't really uh, – there's something always crazy that goes on. So I don't really worry about who's fighting on it. But, uh, the, yeah, the one I was really excited about uh, got pulled. Yeah, for sure. No, you're absolutely correct in terms of we don't need to worry about name value anymore. There's been a couple of cards that's, that have been passed by now where everybody's like, oh, this card so shit, so shit. And then we actually watch the fights and they deliver from beginning to end, right? Like even I was out in Vegas uh, for the, uh, what was that, Gastelum and Cannoneer fight uh, and everybody was shitting on that card. And that was that was very, very fun. A lot of violence on that card. So I'm hoping that we get the same thing here. All right, let's not waste too much more time. Let's get right into the thick of things here. Like I said, we're supposed to get Martinez and Rojo. That fight is now off. So I believe if they don't reshuffle the card, the first fight that we're going to be getting up is in the middleweight division, starting off at the middleweights and ending with the middleweights. we got Dalsha Lungiambula going up against Marc-Andre Barrio. Uh, in terms of odds, we're looking at minus 165-ish for Barrio and plus 145-ish is the return on Dalsha. I'll kick things off here in terms of... Uh, my, my confidence level on Barrio is probably one of the strongest on the card, but I still feel very skeptical about the card, right? Um, Barrio had a great performance last time around against Abu Azaitar, where he was able to go out there, stay away from the big strikes of Azaitar and really start to put up the pace in the second and third rounds, eventually finishing him with four seconds left in that fight. Um, I'm ex I'm seeing nothing but progression from this guy, right? You're talking about a TKO double champ uh, up here in Canada before coming to the UFC. Goes on a three-fight skid, and normally that means the end of your job at, at the UFC, right? Luckily for him, he gets another shot. 
goes up against Oscar Piojota, finishes him there. I believe he pops for something, uh, and, and they and ultimately change it to a no contest. He comes back, finishes Abu Azaitar, and now he has probably the biggest uh, uh, test ahead of him in Adalsha Lungyambulu, who I believe was a light heavyweight champ over there at EFC in South Africa. Lungyambula over there at Extreme Couture, good training over there under Eric Nixick. Eric, uh, Marc-Andre Barriot down there at Sanford MMA, great training with Henry Hooft and those guys. I think Barrio will be able to stay away from the big power of Dolce early here and then start to put it on him late second and third round. I'm expecting a third round finish for Barrio, and he's probably one of my... I don't want to call it safe. Again, This I feel like this card is littered with landmines, and I feel like you're going to echo my sentiments there, James. But I do like uh, uh, Barrio here to stay away, like I said, from the big power, start to put that pace and pressure on Dolce, and then get him out of there probably in that third round. Uh, how do you feel about this matchup? What, what, what do you see here? I, I really agree with you. Pretty much, pretty much spot on with me on this one. Uh, I like the thing I like about Barrios is durability, right? Uh, he's gonna stay away from that that power and may, may maybe stay away isn't the right the right terminology. He's gonna be able to take the you know that that big punch from uh, Dolce and and kind of keep keep on ticking. So I, I do uh, I like with Barrio. He seems to he seems to progress as the fight goes on. So uh, he seems to get better as the fight uh, carries in. And uh, he doesn't seem to slow down ever. You know, he had a, he had a, his last fight was against a very similar fighter, big puncher, and he, he withstood that. Uh, I think Barrio's gonna find a late finish or or uh, the thing that always worries about me with him is he's a slow starter. Yeah. Right. Like so that's what always worries. Like you can't let these guys at the high level get up on you 2-0 and then start to fight in the third. That's the that's the thing that scares me the most with him. So, um, but yeah, I mean it's it's a, it's definitely an intriguing fight. I like Barrio in it, but uh, I, I don't. I still think he's kind of like finding himself, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what he's, uh, what he's able to, to build off of the momentum from his last fight, because I feel like, you know, those, those are the fights that you can kind of like make or break you. Right. And, uh, he, he did incredible, but like, I want to see him build on that. Cause there's obviously, as you progress through the division, there's going to be, you know, bigger, faster, stronger is always the, is always the thing. So, uh, I do like Barrio in this fight. Uh, I do think he's going to be able to, uh, you know, withstand that power. It kind of scares me a little bit that he's, he starts slow sometimes, uh, but I think he'll work his way through it. I like it. I like it. I'm glad that we're on the same side there. Let's keep things moving along here, though. We got a 150-pound catch rate between Charles Jordan and Julian Arosa. In terms of odds, we're looking at Jordan around minus 170, the return on Julian Arosa, around plus 150. I know you're a little bit familiar with Arosa, right? If I'm not mistaken, Grant Dawson took him on uh, took on uh, Arosa a couple yep. years ago, and you guys have to prepare for that. I'll actually let you kick this breakdown off. How do you feel about this fight? How do you think it's going to go down? Uh, I, I know Erosa very well. I've trained with him too. Uh, Perfect. he's a dog, man. He's a, he's a dog. And, uh, man, I have mixed feelings about this fight because I'm a huge Charles Jordan fan as well. I think the kid is, uh, I, I think he's extremely talented, but man, if Erosa can't, if, if Erosa could stay away from that big shot, that dude has, has got some real skills and he, as he progresses, as the fight progresses, he gets stronger as well, and he is super, super uh, mentally tough. He's always in great shape. If if he can stay away from that 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 punch of Jordan's, you know, the right hand, I, I think he's going to be in a good spot. But man, Jordan, he brings the heat. He brings it early. And this for me, this is one of the things where you see a guy that starts really fast in Jordan, and Erosa starts fast too, but. He, he he gets better as the fight goes on. So uh, 
if I, I think I, I think in order for Julian Arosa to win this fight, he's got to stay away from that big shot, right? Like it to me, it's either it's either Jordan, uh, Jordan finishes, or I could see Arosa pulling out of the shit uh, decision. But man, Arosa cannot let Jordan get going, and that's that's easier said than done. And uh, man, he's he's a freight train. I, I do feel like Jordan's being a little bit disrespected on the line because of his last performance against uh, Kamuela Kirk, but I do feel like he won that fight. And uh, but Arosa is coming off a win over Sean Woodson, you know, so, uh, or I'm sorry, he's coming off a loss. Now he beat Sean Woodson and then lost yeah, he to, got knocked uh, out by Choi. Choi and Choi's Smooth good Choi. though, man. Yeah. Choi's people don't know about Choi. He's really good. So, uh, this is a really, uh, stylistically, this is a tough matchup for Rosa, but it is a fight he can get done if he stays away from that big punch. Now staying away from that big punch is easier said than done against, uh, against Jordan. Yeah, uh, Jordan, it seems like when he, whenever he does lose, at least if you go back and watch some of his career, he gets grapple fucked, right? Like a lot of guys just go out there, they wrestle him, take him to the ground and kind of grind him out there. He has a decent G BGJ game off of his yeah. back, but it's, you know, a lot of people just fall too much in love with the jujitsu off their back. And then they're ultimately, you know, on their back for four minutes of the round and they end up losing that round. One thing I want to ask you before we move on to the next fight, in terms of Julian Rosa, there's an interview that came out uh, a day or two ago saying that he's going to look to go out there and just wrestle for 15 minutes rather than, you know, try to exchange in the fire it's that's his best path to victory but do you think there's some sort of like mind games going on there because it seems like arosa taking this fight on short notice up at 150 pounds as a catch weight right he just wants to go in there have a fun fight possible fight of the night contender possible performance of the night contender do you think it's just mind games regarding the the whole wrestle game plan that he kind of threw out there no julian's good everywhere man uh i'm actually happy to hear that because i feel like that's kind of what he's missed in the past is Man, he's such a fan favorite. I feel like at times his 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 uh, I feel like he does what the fans want rather than what he needs to do to win. At times, you know what I mean. And I I I do think he needs to wrestle to win this fight. You know, like, and that doesn't mean he has to just wrestle. But like, I do think he needs to mix his wrestling in and and keep Jordan guessing. You know, so I hope that's not just my games. I I really hope that he can. And 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 for sure, Arosa is gonna have the cardio to do it. He doesn't get tired, man. He's he's a cardio freak. So, uh. Man, Official I really prediction hope... is going to be Arosa here? No, man, Jordan's a really <laughs> tough matchup for him. You know, he's a really tough matchup for him. Uh, I just, I like Julian Arosa a lot, man. I think this is a tough matchup for him. But I love I love uh, Julian's style. I have a lot of respect for him because of what he's done. He's, he never turns down fights. He fights the toughest guys in the division. He's been cut from the UFC once or twice and said, hey, you know, fuck it, I'll fight this guy, I'll fight this. What You know what I mean? Like, he's a yeah. fighter's fighter, and I really respect that. I do think Jordan's a really difficult matchup for him, though. Uh, you know, that's it is, is what it is. You know what I mean? I, I like I like Arosa a lot. I respect him a lot. Uh, but I'm I'm a fan of Jordan as well, and I think this is a tough matchup for uh, for Arosa. I definitely get it in terms of putting guys like yourselves in situations where you kind of have to either pick against the guy that you train with or work with in the past. It's it's kind of an uncomfortable thing. So I'm not going to push you to on it too much. No. Uh, miss, on this listen, bro. Here. Like Arosa is <laughs> one of those guys. Arosa is one of those guys that can beat anybody, man. Yeah. And if he if he comes out with a good game plan, he can win this fight. You know what I mean? But like, don't just don't take my opinion for it. If I'm just yeah. looking at historically what gives Julian Arosa tough fights, it's a fighter like. Charles Jordan. Jordan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is not this is not my opinion. This is just factual. If you look at historically who he's had trouble with, it's guys like Jordan, you know. And yeah. and if you look at historically guys that give Jordan trouble, it's not Arosa's strong suit. So just like, you know what I mean? Like it's not, I'm not saying he can't win. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of both these guys. I'm just saying if I if I take an unobjective look at this stylistically, it shows that this is favored in Jordan's, you know, Jordan's favor. 
I like it. I like it. Uh, I, I will give a quick breakdown of this as well, too. I do like Jordan in this spot. I do think he end, ends up finding that punch. The one thing I could, like, I'm a fan of Julian Rosa as well. The one thing I'm not a fan of, though, is his striking defense at times. That sometimes it seems like he carries his hands a little bit too low, leaving his chin a little bit too exposed, and sometimes has that tall man defense. Like, he is a big dude for this, even 145 pound weight class, even though this is at 150 pounds. So I think the catch rate actually uh, helps uh, Mr. Arosa in this matchup, if anything. Great. And you're right on the head in terms of the amount of experience that Julian Rosa has, right? Two and a half times the amount of experience that Jordan has in the professional MMA world. And he actually went out there and competed against Patty Pimblett, who obviously we're going to talk about a little bit later, uh, at the at the pretty much at the peak of that Patty Pimblett hype when he was coming up on the cage warrior scene. I believe Pimblett beat him over a five-round decision in that fight. But uh, again, very interesting fight there. But again, I think the 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 bane of uh, of Arosa's game always is that striking defense. And I think, unfortunately, uh, Jordan's going to be able to catch him with something here. I think we spoke about it earlier. Uh, the under two and a half, the fight doesn't go to the decision is probably a very good look in this spot unless Arosa actually sticks by his word and goes out there and tries to grapple fuck Jordan for, for the majority of 15 minutes because I don't think that Jordan will have much off of his back in that situation. So I think the line's a little bit wide. I would rather take uh, Jordan by KO, which I think is uh, roughly around that plus 110, plus 115-ish line. I like that a little bit more rather than just taking Jordan money line here as I do think you might as well get more juice for your squeeze and not to mention all of Jordan's wins by KO or finish. So that there's got to be something to that as well. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got uh ba -ba -ba. we got Jack Shore going up against Ludovic Shalinian. And I'm hoping that Eddie Charles is going to be able to jump in here before uh, we get to the end of this because I would love to hear what he has to say about Jack Shore considering that in Jack Shore's last fight, he went up against a fight-ready guy and a Hunter Azure. I really like Jack Shore, man. I think this guy is the shit. I think he has a ton of potential. 26 years old, 14-0, and 0, uh, a ton of finishes on his record. I believe 12 out of his 14 wins all coming by finish he is not a lay-in prayer he is a grappler but he's not a lay-in prayer goes out there and looks for the finish from pretty much any position that he's at on the ground uh half guard side control uh full mount back control whatever it is he's looking to get the the hooks in or he's going to just uh, start pummeling down some ground and pound in this situation i think it's a tough task to ask ludwig shalinian who's coming off the ultimate fighter from this most recent season to come in and try to pull off the upset especially on short notice here and uh, Shalinian, if you watch most of his uh, footage and his tape, the guy's a grappler himself. When he finds success in his fights, just like he did against Vince Cashero back in LFA, he was able to go out there and grapple, fuck it, have a ton of success, getting the fight to the ground and just staying on top and controlling. Um, I just think he's going to be out grappled in this situation by Shore. I know a lot of people kind of look down on like UK and Welsh wrestling for some reason, but like when you have guys like Jack Shore and Brett Johns, albeit he did end up losing to Danny Sabatello back in Bellator a couple months ago, I do think that Jack Shore. Yeah, can... but bro, Sabatello is good. As a people beast. Don't know who he is he's yet. A beast. He's good. No, absolutely, I agree. I, I remember watching one of his uh, fights. Uh, fuck, he was uh, he was fighting some guy from. Uh, uh, I want to say Mike Graves. I could be off on that, but uh, he was fighting for uh, Titan FC and he had a really good performance and that's what he stuck out to me with Danny Sabatello. But with Jack Shore here, again, I think he gets the takedowns. I think he eventually finds the finish, man. Second round. I'm not sure how much you know about Shalinian in this spot, but let me know what your thoughts are on Jack Shore, what you think about the kid and how you actually think he ends up getting this done if you think he actually wins. Yeah, so whenever I whenever I look at betting on MMA, like I don't bet on anything other than MMA because it's the only sport I know and I know it really well. Uh there's sometimes where I bet on fighters to lose, like, like X person, like, I just don't believe in this person. And okay. I think they're going to lose against just about anybody they fight. There are guys that I bet on to win. Like, it doesn't really matter. I don't really take a, a, a good look at who they're fighting. Obviously, if, if they're fighting somebody high level, you got to take a closer look at. For me, Jack Shore is a high level fighter 
that's not quite fighting at the high level. He, he's obviously at the high level, but there's levels within the UFC, right? He just, he hasn't had the fights yet to show how good he really is. So for me, it doesn't really matter who he's fighting because I think he belongs in that top echelon of the division. And I think he's really good. And uh, if, 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 if he's not fighting somebody like in the top 15, the chances of him winning are probably pretty good. I think, I think I'm really high on Jack Shore. I think he's really good. And uh, I, I know Ludwig a little, a little bit, uh, not a ton, but you, you pretty much already said this. His, his, his style is grappling. And there's just not very many people that are going to go out grapple Jack Shore in that division, you know, and, and uh, I just, I'm really big on Jack Shore. I think he's going to win this fight uh, convincingly. I think he's going to finish. I think he, he's very good. Perfect. That, that's kind of what I was hoping for to see is like, okay, we know that he's going to win, but do you think it gets extended or do you think it finished? You you said that it, it finishes, so I'm glad to hear that as well. Uh, actually, before we move on to the next fight, I did see a question in the chat here that I do want to post to you as well. Yeah. You had a pretty damn good performance last time around against Claudio Silva. When are you coming back to the cage? You going to fight or what? I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't have a good answer for that. You know, I, I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm retired or anything like that just because it's a, it's not really my style, but uh, I don't know the answer. I'm on the, I'm on the road. Like, I think I'm on the road. I have Omaha. I think I'm on the road for like the next 11 weeks, man. Like <laughs> Shit. it's just not, a, it's not realistic for me to take a fight with the schedule that I'm carrying right now. Uh, and there's, to be honest with you, there's not very many guys that they could, they could give me right now that would uh, entice me to, you know, to want to fight again. There was three things that I wanted. There's two things that I wanted whenever I said, Hey, like, I'm, I don't want to, I'm good with where I'm at. Uh, the first one was, you know, I just wanted, uh, I wanted to go out on a win. Right. So like I wanted to, to retire on a win. I wanted to retire on a win in the UFC. And I wanted to be like, Hey, uh, guys, like I'm done with you. Not you're done with me. I don't want to go and three and then say, Hey, James, like, ah, time to you hang got it up. younger. Yeah. So I wanted to go out on a win. I wanted to uh, I wanted to be able to tell the UFC when I'm done, not the other way around. And I wanted to create some financial freedom. As of right now, as it sits right now, I've done all, all three of those things. If I if I never fight again, I'm 100% good with it. But I also I'm not going to tell you that I'm not going to fight again because if they offered me enough money to fight tomorrow, you know I will. So, uh, you know, there's just not very many names that's going to get me back to that grind, man. Like I, I'm, I'm in here. I really enjoy coaching. It's my passion. It's where my heart is. It's something I'm – I'm extremely passionate about something I'm better at than fighting. And uh, that's where I, I want to go. That's, you know, that's where I'm segueing into, obviously. But uh, I'm not saying I'm retired by any means just because, you know, who knows what will happen. But uh, as of right now, like I have uh, – if I did have the desire to fight, I don't have the time. But I really don't have the desire to fight at this moment. That could change, though. I know you've set yourself pretty well outside of the cage, real estate and investing and all that type of stuff that you got going on. Not to mention the coaching as well, right? You're you're possibly yeah. in the running for coach of the year, right? Like everybody not loves even a nominee, what... bro. Hey, I'm not Sorry? even a nominee. What? That is some bullshit, dog. That is some bullshit. Not even a nominee, man. Oh man, I, I know one thing that goes on in capping, especially in the industry that I'm at. Like everybody, every time they see somebody going over to Glory MMA and Fitness, they're like, oh shit, maybe, maybe we're going to see some improvements from this guy. James is always one of the more sharper guys, sharper guys in the corner of these fights, and you know. Derek Monroe is obviously one of those guys that has shown a complete progression, not to mention a guy that was like 30-something fights already into his career, yeah. and then he comes out there and shows a completely different game. So um, I, I want to, I want you to kind of hold on to that Jack, uh, Derek Minner thing because there is a fight later on okay. that I want to talk about where it's like 
will we potentially see a completely different fighter that we're used sure. to seeing here? So let's keep let's keep this thing moving along here. Uh, next up, we got Ji Yoon Kim going up against Molly McCann. Uh, in terms of odds, we're looking at uh, pretty much a pick him here, minus 105, minus 110 on either side here. Uh, I'll let you kick this one off, though. How do you feel about this uh, matchup? Closest fight on, on the card, at least on paper. Uh, but yeah. who do you think ends up getting their hand raised here? I think, uh, you know, obviously, I think they're very similar, uh, similar, similarly matched, and that's obvious within the line. But I do think what the the, the biggest uh, skills skill set differential would be would be Molly's wrestling. I think I could see her finding, uh, I could see her finding takedowns and winning rounds, banking rounds. I like her durability. Molly's uh, extremely durable. She's got no problem getting hit and hitting back. Um, I think she's going to pull away with this fight. You know, I think she'll use her wrestling a little bit and, and, and find a way she's, she's scrambly. She seems to uh, come in shape. Uh, her boxing is good. She's extremely durable. She doesn't have a lot of holes. You know what I mean? And I think stylistically she matches up really well here. And, uh, I think she's the superior wrestler. I mean, that's, this is obviously a fight for a reason. So, but you know, nobody wants to hear me say, like, Oh, I'm 50, 50. So <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lean towards Molly on this one. Exactly. We don't want you on one side of the fence, not both sides, yeah, James. We yeah. definitely want you on one side. Uh, I'm actually going to go on the opposite side here. I do like Kim, but this is more so potential-based than actual things that we've seen inside the cage. From what I've heard, she is endlessly drilling takedown defense over there at Syndicate MMA, and I love the fact that she's actually changed up camps and gone over there with John Wood and, and really trying to change her career around. She's a big woman at this 125-pound division, 10-inch reach advantage, 3-inch height advantage that she's going to have in this fight as well. Um, and I think that she'll do a decent enough job in terms of stuff in the takedowns of Molly and then getting her hands going after that, really sticking out that jab and trying to maintain the distance. Molly McCann, I believe, is one of those fighters that was a striker turned wrestler. And now, you know, I think she'll have to lean on her striking a little bit more as I don't think she'll be super successful in terms of, you know, landing the takedowns here on Kim. And, you know, a lot of people are kind of giving Kim some shit because she was making Antonina Shevchenko look like a Nurmagomedov. But I do think that you got to give some, uh, you know, some some leniency to some fighters thinking that they can actually make some improvements, especially when they see such a giant gap in their game. And I think that's what we're seeing here with Kim. This is a great fight for her to go out there and showcase that improved takedown defense, as I don't really believe that Molly McCann is a great wrestler to begin with. Yes, she can secure takedowns, you know, 26, I think 26 or 28% takedown defense accuracy rate. Uh, and she doesn't really do a good job in terms of just maintaining that top control. I believe she's going to struggle in terms of keeping Kim down if she does uh, get in on the hips and land a takedown here. And then I think she's going to struggle more and more to get the takedowns later that this fight goes. I'm taking Kim. And I even threw out a wild conspiracy theory out there for you guys on my my Thursday night podcast for you propping you up. Kim via KO plus 1160. No. Get Plus eleven sixty, James. Got to take a little bit of a sprinkle if I think this fight's going to be on the feet. I know Molly is durable. Don't get me wrong. I know she's durable, but I do think that she's going to really struggle with that reach advantage. How much and money think, did you put on that? It's not a sprinkle. It's like fifty bucks, James. Fifty hundred bucks. Just Nothing give me your crazy. money. Give me your money. Give me your money. <laughs> give me forty, and I'll pay me ten to tell you not to do that next time. <laughs> We'll see, James. We'll see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna we'll be see. in your DMs if that. Oh, shit I hits. can't oh, wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I, obviously, Kim, best path to victory is the decision, sticking at range, outpointing her. But I am going to throw a little bit of a greasy theory out there that I do think she could get the TKO at plus 1160. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We're already getting to the uh, main card, and I'm trying to get a wrangle up my guy Eddie here so he can actually get in and give us some uh, some insight as well but uh, I think he's still setting up so let's get into the first fight here we got uh, Luigi Vendramini going up against UFC newcomer and highly touted Mr. Patty Pimblett uh James I'll actually let you kick this one off do you know much about Pimblett how much have you heard yeah. about the kid and uh you know what do you think he brings to the table here is and it Pimblett or is it Pimblet? 
uh, Pimblet, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Let's just call him Patty. Let's call him Patty. Patty. Patty versus Luigi. Uh, yes. I know both these guys really well, actually. Um, nice. I've been watching Patty for quite a while. Uh, I know he is. Uh, and I know Luigi. Luigi is a teammate of mine at Factory X. Yeah. Um, Sorry, quick question, James. When did Luigi come out there? Do you recall? Like, was it within the last couple years or yeah, yeah, this year? Okay, years. last couple years. Okay. Yep. Um, Luigi, Luigi's still finding himself. He's extremely talented. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's got good wrestling, good striking. Uh, he is still working into his own, but I think Patty is too, you know? Um, and, and listen, man, I hate, I hate, uh, I see what he's trying to do. You know, he's taking the, I don't want to say the Connor approach just because he's kind of mouthy and, and stuff like that, but that, I feel like that just creates so much, uh, unnecessary pressure on these younger guys, you know, like, and, and he, he's already got a lot of pressure cause he's fighting a kid in Luigi that, that is, he's good. And he's a lot better than his name recognition. You know what I mean? Like he's tough. He's really good. And I just, with, with, with Patty, I just don't think that, uh, I don't, I think he's skilled. I like him a lot. I don't think he's as good as the hype is pushing him though. And that's not, there's no disrespect to him as a lot, but he's got a ton of hype. But if you, if you look at his, what he's done and who he's beat and who he's lost to, like, I don't quite think it's warranted uh, quite yet, but I do think that the Vegas line reflects that though. I don't think it's that far. What is he? Minus 160? Minus 150 ish, like I believe. Yeah, I think that's I think that's accurate, you know. But man, Luigi Luigi's coming off of a of a a tough a tough loss against a, a guy that's stylistically much more difficult of a fight for him. Long striker, a good takedown defense. Uh, man, it's it's a uh, it's a very very intriguing matchup where both these guys are they have you know similar games. I think Luigi's a little bit more well rounded, but but Pimlet has that that uh he's got that real herky jerky style that's that's hard to time. Uh, I'm excited about this fight a lot too, but man, I, I, I don't think the, uh, I don't mean this disrespectfully. I just don't think that he's got a ton of hype around him and I just don't think it's quite warranted yet for me. I want to see, like, you got to show me I'm hard to convince. You know what I mean? You got to show me, show me how good you are. This is the fight to do it. Luigi doesn't have a lot of name recognition, but he's a tough kid and he is very skilled. Yeah, no, I do think that you're absolutely on the head here in terms of Patty's hype, not really living up to his fight skills, I believe. Uh, it's been a couple of years now that we've been hearing about Pimblet, right? Like, uh, I believe right after Conor exploded, I was hearing about the whole Pimblet thing and everybody's like, oh, Pimblet's going to be the next, you know, Conor McGregor just because of his fan base and all that type of stuff. He doesn't fight like Conor. You know, I feel like he needs yeah. to get uh, the, the grappling going to truly find success compared to Conor, who can find that death touch at any moment of his fights. But uh, here against Benjamini, black belt in jiu-jitsu, I'm sure you've rolled with Benjamini a couple times. The guy's nasty on the ground from at least what I can gather on, on tape here. And I think if uh, Patty wants to take this fight to the ground, uh, he'll have, uh, uh, you know, some trouble in terms of implementing his grapple-heavy game. Um, another thing, I think that Luigi has the slight advantage on the feet as well. I think the guy has a ton of power, and he could definitely Agreed. put it on Patty, especially if Patty, with his herky-jerky style, gets a little bit too lackadaisical with the striking defense. Um I'm actually taking Vendramini here. I'm actually taking Vendramini, uh, even a poke on sub at plus 1,000. I think that's a little bit crazy considering I think he can actually catch Patty Pimblett in something in this situation as well. I know Patty, 16-3, good record. Fought some decent guys over there at Cage Warriors, but it's a completely different beast when you come over here to the UFC. And by no means... Is this a layup for him in his uh, UFC no. debut? This this is a very tough fight. Uh, I think more so it's the hype that's driving the line to making him a favorite in this spot. But I truly think that Benjamini probably should be the the slight favorite in the spot. If you want to talk about uh, skill for skill in this in this situation here, um, yeah, I like Benjamini. Benjamini by sub. Do you see that as a possible outcome here for Luigi? 
I don't think so. Uh, but but I, I didn't really give you guys a pick, and I'm, I'm going back on that. I think this fight <laughs> should be a pick em. I think this fight should be a pick em. And uh, I, I, I agree with you. I think, I think Luigi's better on the feet. I think he's as good of a grappler. I think he is. The wrestling is, is – I, I, that's the question mark for me is the wrestling. Uh, but, yeah, I'm leaning Luigi. I really am. Like, I think he's going to win this fight. I, uh, I, I think this is closer to a pick-up fight. And uh, I, I, think, uh, I think Luigi's getting a little disrespect in the lines all coming off of a loss. And I think Patty's getting a little – bit of hype behind him so i think that's where you're gonna see the line difference move you know uh but yeah i am leading luigi i don't think he's gonna get a submission um but i i, I do think he can win a decision i think if i went it would be i don't think either one of these guys are gonna finish the other okay i like it and perfect timing and perfect segue to bring my guy in eddie Chaw. a little late eddie but it's C. fine glad glad that he still made it how's it going buddy what's going on guys what up james what's up brother Chilling, man. I just got off work, and uh, sorry I'm late, guys, but better, better late than never. I'm here. Better late than never. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad that you made it. So, Eddie, I do appreciate you carving out the time here on this Friday night to, to join us to, to break down these fights. Um, uh, do you have any thoughts regarding the Pimblet and Benjamin fate that we got here? What do you know about Pimblet, and how do you successful do you think he's going to be in the UFC? Honestly, to be honest with you, I don't know a lot of guys on this card. I'm probably the worst guy to put on this show. <laughs> Wait, he's on yeah. coach's perspective, though. So James, I'll definitely James be is a man when it comes way. to making picks. I, I know he's super good at it. I've heard him before. He's money on it. Um, I know a few of the fights. Uh, Jack Shore, one of our guys, Hunter, fought him before. I know uh, Mong Khan and, and uh, Kim Ji the Korean girl, but um, and the main event, obviously. But yeah, th this is like a uh, kind of a European card. And stuff like that. The fight nights, I'm not really too uh, good at. I, I, and I do watch a lot of UFC, obviously, just just for uh, for studying base and everything else. And, and I, I'm a huge fan of it. But um, yeah, a lot of these names are somewhat new to me. So I I'm think this will be interesting to get your perspective on like stylistic matchups. You know yes. what I mean? Like it's always good. It's always good to hear a, a coach's perspective on like how, how styles match up. And maybe maybe there's something that people are missing, especially from the betting perspective. I know you like I've listened to you before. We've we've done mitt work together before, and yep. like you you have some you have some different perspective on things that you've helped me out, and I've stole a couple of your couple of your things from that. You know what I mean? So it's like it's it's always good to get a different perspective on it. And I know you think a little differently than a lot of these guys, so I'm interested to hear yeah. how you approach some of these matchups, even if you don't know the name stylistically, you can still make a judgment on it. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> for me, like, uh, and I bet here and there too. You know. But uh, a lot of times, in order to, like, you know, as much as anybody, when we're betting, you really got to watch film. You got to really kind of break it down because watch watching a fight and then, like, even, for example, like, we, we just did a Zoom with Zhang Wei Li, kind of go starting camp a little early and stuff like that. But I enjoy watching her fights. But then if we're going to help her or corner her or whatever it may be, now it's a totally different perspective. Now you got to go back and actually dissect it. So it's, it's so different. I think betting is kind of the same way. We got to kind of go back, look at their strengths or weaknesses. And MMA math, MMA math never works. So you got to kind of look at flaws like the takedown defense on a single leg or a double leg. How's he bite on the feints? Um, how does he go against a kick, kickboxer and stuff like that? Um, so, yeah, I can definitely give you some in input, I guess. I always watched but, him uh, as a fighter, as a coach, and as a fan. Like I watch fights three different yeah. ways. And that, that you know, I think 
I, and I watch, I, I probably watch every fight three times over too. So like, I'm a, I'm a yeah. dork with this stuff though. So. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The best way that we can go about this is just break down the fights between me and James and see if Eddie, uh, Eddie has anything to really add in here yeah, in terms of the styles that are going to be going up against each other. But we are uh, pretty much on the main card here, Eddie. But I do want to quickly go cool. back and actually go to that uh, that Jack Shore fight with the Shalinian. When you guys were preparing Hunter Azure for Jack Shore in that fight, what were some good things that you saw about Jack Shore? And what do you think the potential of this kid is? <clears throat> He's good. He, he's uh, pretty tall, long, lanky for, for a 35er at bantamweight. I was a little surprised of how good his wrestling was. I know he's from England, and, and uh, <clears throat> Hunter Azur was a four-time state champion out here and uh, wrestled in college, and, and so we, we thought he'd do well. We watched film on him. What he did a really good job was, is when he got him on the cage, uh, his body lock was just a little bit different where his hands weren't able to go. So Hunter had a hard time reaching for it. He should have turned the other way and kind of grabbed that arm. But uh, he had a hard time really kind of snagging his arm. So his cage control, we were really, really impressed with. Um, so that's definitely something to look for. I kind of look uh, – I have it on right now. I'm, I'm looking at – he's the biggest favorite on the card. Yeah. There's no surprise. He's undefeated. He's a really good wrestler. Again, I don't know the other individual. But, um, yeah, he, he's definitely uh, – the kid's tough, super tough. Pretty decent. Uh, I, I think he's still a little green on the striking aspect of it. There wasn't anything in particular, but when you're that good at wrestling, I mean, it kind of slows down everything offensively, what you're trying to do, because you're so worried about the takedown. But um, yeah, he, he he's very impressive. He, he's he's well-rounded. He's really, really good on that body lock on the cage. I like it. And you said you know a little bit about Kim and McCann, if I'm not mistaken. Is there anything you want to add in terms of that fight? Who do you think is going to win that fight? What do you think about the betting line there with them being uh, pick em odds here? I think it is a pick and fight. Uh, I know Molly's improved on her, her grappling aspect and stuff like that. She's a really good boxer. Kim ji uh she's been at Zombies Camp, so we talked about her a little bit. I went out with uh, – uh, I, I met up with her before, and we talked. And everybody I talked to, we have this one kid uh, from 1FC. He's, he's at her gym right now. He used to train with her, and she can crack. I can tell you right now, her hands are super strong. Like <laughs> he, told, he told me uh, – he goes, girl, usually when they hit you, it's like you're going light, you take it, you give back maybe 30%, 40%, you know? But her, when she hits you, it's like you almost want to fire back just a natural reaction of, gosh, dang, this girl can hit. So watch out for her hands. She's got unbelievable hands. I know she's a syndicate running her camp for the first time out here in the U.S., so look look to see her, her grappling and her, her wrestling improve, definitely with John, Coach John Wood and uh, the team out there. So I'm actually interested to see um, a lot of the Asian fighters, when you see them coming over here, they're really surprised because, one, the work ethic is so different. I think the Asian fighters, especially the Koreans, they work so hard, but they don't, they're don't they not working smarter. They're working harder, yeah. you know? So even for, for Zombie and some of the other guys that came, so that's it, you're done. And he goes, oh, what do you mean I'm done? I can, I can do more. I can do that. I said, I understand you can, but that's it, you know? So those are the hardest things. So. I'm interested to see how they kind of pulled her back a little bit of overtraining and try to get the best out of her. She cuts a lot of weight as well. Um, and, but Molly can crack too. I mean, she she's uh, she, she's looking really, really good. I think it is a pick and fight. I can definitely pick that for sure. So, uh, the, the reason I cracked fun. up a little bit when you're talking about Kim cracking is that uh, when me and James were breaking down the fight, I said it took a little bit of a sprinkle on Kim by knockout at plus 1160. And he goes, oh, dude, what are you talking about? Give me the money instead. She's not going <laughs> to knock her out. No, so no I'm way. glad I got my guy Eddie Chaw here to back well, me up. 
uh, as much as Zang crack, I mean, the girls' division, you 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 have a safe bet with the over one and a half, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm kind yeah. of with James on that. And Molly is a tough girl Molly's too. Tough. Thank you. Yeah. yeah dude, she's she, finally some she's coming to the table dude, here. You don't call her Molly Meatball for nothing. Yes. She is. She's a brick. She can she can take shots and. Uh, it's a hundred percent to pick them. I mean, if they thought that power was going to make a difference, obviously it would be a lot uh, higher and odds wise. But uh, I am with uh, James on that one. I don't know if she wins by knockout, but I wouldn't be surprised if she gets a like a clean right hand. You know, don't down tell the pipe. Him that. Don't encourage him. Like. <laughs> <laughs> James, I told you, I'm gonna be in your DMs if that shit hits. Uh, I'm, not, I'm never gonna <laughs> get drag you on, on, on social media out. for that one. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I do want to give a quick uh, quick shout out to my guy Rexley, who actually hooked us up for uh, for. Eddie to come on the show, so I got to give my guy Rexley some some love there, and also my guy Clint from Die Hard MMA podcast, who is probably the biggest fight ready fanboy out there. So uh, yeah, Eddie Child, there you go. You got you got a ton of fans uh, that love when guys Thank are fighting out of fight ready. Before we actually continue on with the card, I do want to ask you. I would not be doing my job correctly. Obviously, the news came out yesterday. Wally Zhang is going to be training out of fight ready for this upcoming camp with Rose Namajunas. One, how did that relationship come about? And two. Uh, I guess the, the studying and the preparing has already started. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, their management company contacted, uh, I believe, our owner, Dave Zowine. And then that's how it kind of started. I know Henry Cejudo, Captain Eric, and, and Zombie contacted uh, her as well. And uh, they just kind of contacted. I got on a Zoom call with her. And then we just talked about what, why she wanted to run camp out here, what she was looking for um if we were the right fit or not honestly we don't just take anybody especially for super camps uh when our owner dave gets involved he spends a ton of money on sparring partners and just all sorts of stuff just a situation that we do on recovery and stuff like that uh the cvac and so forth and so uh he wanted to kind of bring the right people aboard and uh he said if, if it doesn't fit for you we'll find a gym or a right gym for you um but that's pretty much how the conversation started and then she said no we we're looking to, to run camp out with you guys. So <clears throat> Captain Eric and I uh, just, I said, you're coming in about, I think she comes September 11th or something like that. We wanted her to come out 10 weeks early. She said she wanted to come out four weeks. Oh, wow. We met in the middle around seven. And uh, I think she had a couple prior engagements, some uh, filming or something like that. And so this is the earliest we could potentially get her. And as, as you know, too, James, like seven, eight weeks, you're not really going to learn much. We're, we're really just, not trying to change your style or anything like that. We're going to put in a couple stuff. We're going to put together a proper game plan and so forth. And, uh, you know, we're super excited to have her. Perfect. And last question, then we'll move on with the predictions here. One thing I always see when people change camps is, uh, and a lot of analysts kind of use this, they're like, oh, they're in the room with this guy. They're in the room with that guy. The big thing about this Wally Zhang thing is like, everybody's like, oh, she's going to be training with Henry Suhudo, the Pitbull brothers, the, the, the Korean zombie and all that type of stuff. Can you kind of, like pinpoint, uh, you know, the types of people and fighters that she's going to be working with for this camp? Or is that too early? Uh, well, right now, since Captain Eric's here, I know he's supposed to be in the corner for Paula Costa. He has a fight coming up. Um, Patrice Pitbull is supposed to fight. They're both title eliminators, so which are big. So we figure we just run all the camps out here. So the, the biggest thing is visa issues right now. Yeah. Um, we don't know if they can come back. Zombie just came and got some stem cells put in. So he's going to come back in about a month. I don't, if he's able to train, he's going to come back just to kind of see, check out the camp. He's also interested in too, with all these camps going all at once. Yeah, I think it's more of a <laughs> stressful and a headache than anything. We have Eric Anders, our boy coming back uh, in about three weeks to run camp again. And 
Uh, we have a contender series. We have Bellator with Henry Krause. We just have so many fights coming up. It's more stressful than anything. Yeah, I can uh, see it being, on your face, brother. <laughs> especially five round fights. I mean, there's, there's so much work to be done. Um, you, you, you just need a, a lot of manpower. On top of that, we have a whole team to take care of. And so we're kind of stretching ourselves out thin. I don't personally like to uh, do all that, but, um, you know, it is a title shot and uh, it is a big fight. So I'm definitely excited to be a part of it. But, um, it's mostly a lot of work. <laughs> For sure. James, I'm actually going to ask you this question, and then we'll get into predictions, I promise. I'm very interested in this uh, gym conversation. Uh, how do you guys kind of, like, keep your level-headedness when you have so many guys that want to come and train at your gym and want to get that experience of, you know, training under James Carlos, Eddie Tron stuff? James, I'll actually start off with you. Eddie has already kind of explained it. So, James, how do you kind of deal with that? Well, I don't – first of all, to compare Eddie and myself is a little <laughs> ridiculous yeah, but, right like, come on james oh come on man like yeah the, james the, is a lot bigger the, shut up the roster james the roster a... that he has out there trumps no mine tenfold i get bro i get you get you get the, the former world champions want to come train with you i get people that are oh two in the ufc saying hey come fix my shit that's what i get that's what i get i'll, I'll tell yeah. you my roster and you'll be like yeah you're right anyway uh but you're doing a no, good job I mean, with them james you you are doing yeah, no, dude, he's killing it, man. hey what a, you know if that's killing what i gotta it. do I'll, I'll do it but uh for me it's about it's about uh two things passion and culture right like the 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 ins and outs of it at all it's a lot of work man it's a lot of work it's a lot of study and the fighters don't even realize that you know when i go home i'm, I'm fucking watching two hours a day of, of film and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm breaking down shit left and right. And they don't even know, you know, some of these guys, man, I don't know if Eddie's got any, but like some of these guys, you can't even tell them. Like, like I have, I have two guys that I can't really even tell them the, the, like what's going on. I just have to like drill it into their head to where they can't fuck it up. No matter, you know what I mean? Like, cause if you tell them they get so one track minded, it's, it, it's more of a detriment than it is anything. So like you can't even tell them what you're working on. You got to like just drill 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 like no do it again no do it again it's perfect no it's not do it again like do it like this you know it's 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 just a lot of work but for me to do all that work you got to be passionate about it right like the amount of time that i spend watching film and breaking this shit down and training these guys individually it's not even i'm, I'm making like 50 cents an hour so whatever <laughs> i'm passionate about it you know what i mean i'm, I'm yeah. passionate about it and uh but culture like when you bring in other guys Eddie already said this, but like, you can't just bring anybody in. That's how the whole beef with me and Joaquin Buckley started. It's because I told him, mm -hmm. I told him he wasn't a good fit for my gym. And I said it super respectfully. He got mouthy with me and then the trailer park in me came out and that's how that got all started. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, but you got to protect your culture, man, because not everybody is a good fit. And, uh, and, and I think the culture, which I, I'm only speaking for myself here. And from what I've seen at fight ready, it, I, I'm pretty sure it's the same. But like, you've got to have people that fit your culture because there's a certain synergy that goes on in that room. And if you put somebody in there that, that threatens that synergy or threatens that, that culture, your learning curve drops, right? Synergy is a real thing. I don't give a shit what anybody says. It's a real thing. And if you put somebody in there, you put like an X factor in there, it can tear the synergy up to where one plus one, you know, normally it's two, maybe at fight ready, it's 50. And if you put a bad person in there, it could drop it to 38. And you don't want that. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't have that. You have to protect that, that culture and that synergy. And you got to have everybody on the same page so we can keep the learning curve dropping, you know, going one plus one is 50, 60, 100, 
whatever. And that's that that's a real thing. That's how I view it anyway. And I am very, very protective of my culture. I'm very protective of the people that come in and train. You have to be a good fit for my gym or I can't coach you. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't even make yep. sense for me. And uh, that's that's my answer to the question. But like we I don't take anybody on, you know, just anybody on. And uh, and to be honest, we talked about this a second ago, but like, I like the guys that are desperate and they're going to lose if they, you know what I mean? Like, I, cause they're desperate. They're like, fuck it, help me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. whatever. And the bigger guys, the, the bigger names tend to like, I, I do it like this, that I get that, you know, I, I, I like to do this. I don't give a fuck what you like. If you yeah. don't, if you You're don't like gym. what I do, go the fuck somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm protective of that. I don't give a shit. I don't care who you are or how big you are. Like I want it done this way. And that's how it is. The way that I've done it. I have 16 guys in the UFC or 14 or whatever the fuck the number is out of some, you know, I'm in Lee Summit, Missouri. People don't move here yeah. for the fucking weather. You know what I no. mean? Like <laughs> what I'm doing, what we are doing, I say I, what we are doing as a gym is working. And I protect that with extreme, extreme uh, caution. I like it. Eddie, is there anything you want to add to that? Or he pretty much nailed it, no? No, he, he hit it on the button, but I will say this. The only reason... I do agree 100%. We're making like 50 cents an hour, but James doesn't need the money. This guy is probably the top <laughs> entrepreneur in the game. I kid you not. Like, he's killing uh, it, man. I know he's killing I, it over there. He is more than killing it. I think more than most people know. So uh, you, uh, I'm super happy for you, dude. Like uh, I heard, even heard your podcast with um, – well, I heard all your stuff with Jason and uh, with Eric Anders too that you had on and stuff. It's super insightful. So if you guys haven't heard it, you got to hear him talk about wealth. <laughs> That's oh, all thanks, I'm going to say. That kills it. Super Thank killing it. No, that's great. So. It's awesome that fighters can make some good money with the UFC, but then when you have a guy like James who is able to kind of parlay that into other things so that he can have that financial freedom so that he can coach for 50 cents an hour and he can do, you know, go out there and fight and have his training camp but know that his family's secured, that, that's awesome. All right, let's get back on track here, though. We got four fights left. I don't want to hold you guys up for too much longer. Next up, we got Khalil Roundtree against Modestus Bukowskis. We're just talking about this, James, in terms of guys that kind of wanted to, like, change up their game. Khalil Roundtree famously going over there to Tiger Muay Thai, changing up his game, turning into Tai Leal, as a lot of people called him, after he whooped on uh, Eric Anders for about 15 minutes, and then comes out there and loses to Ion Kutalaba, then loses to Marcin Pracnio after that. And we don't really see that that aura that a lot of people thought he had coming off that Eric Anders fight. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> In this fight against Bukowskis, I think it's a good stylistic matchup for him. However, he just needs to go in there and then pull the trigger, right? The Pracnial fight, it seemed like he couldn't get it going because anytime he tried to get a combination going or anything like that, uh, Pracnial did a really good job in terms of stifling his momentum by just kicking him from the outside. Stay on the outside, kick, 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 stay away from the big power. I feel like Bukowskis, big dude himself, good kicker himself, could kind of replicate what Pracnial did, although they have different striking styles. I believe Pracknell is a little bit more of a karate style stance and uh, Modestus Bukowski is a little bit more conventional with his kickboxing. I still believe he can stay on the outside and just kind of kick uh, Khalil from the outside and just stay away from the big power and just take home a decision, man. I, I this, is, this is the one fight where I don't feel super comfortable in terms of my read. But after running all the tape, after doing all the research, I'm still stumped about it. I come out on the other side with Bukowskis thinking that he's gonna, he knows that his job is on the line, right? Another 0-2 guy coming off a loss to Jimmy Crew last time around. He needs to go in there. He needs to save his job. He needs to get the win here. Now that's either go boss to the wall and try to knock out Khalil or stay super disciplined, stay on the outside and now point Khalil as we've seen a lot of fighters do in the past. I think Bukowskis will be able to do that, stay on the outside. But I gotta say, my guy John brought this up last night. Round one, 
plus 500 for Khalil Roundtree to win in round one. That's a lot of his win equity there, right? Like that's usually his best path to victory because he has a ton yeah. of power. So it's worth a little bit of a sprinkle there. Ultimately, though, like I said, I do think Bukowski survives that early onslaught and then goes on to win a decision in this fight. What do you feel about this fight, James? How do you see it going? This 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 fight to me is one that uh this is what Eddie was saying is like you got to watch film and like if you look at the line and you look at this fight on paper the the line is spot on with Modestus being the the favorite but if you dive a little deeper man I don't I don't know I don't think so man I'm I'm I am worried about this fight like I think this is closer I don't want to say it's a pick up fight because if this fight goes the distance I think I think Modestus is gonna get it. But I'm telling you guys, man, if, if, if I'm if I'm Khalil Roundtree's coach, and I think Eddie can attest to this, the, the only issue that he had in that last fight was lack of volume, right? Like, yeah. so like, hey man, just just throw more. You didn't do anything wrong. Just throw more. I gotta think that that's not that's something that you can easily just at the snap of a finger. You don't need to train it. I mean, you can obviously, but it's like it's something that you could like fix directly right now. And uh, what I don't like stylistically about this matchup is Modestus is a little hittable at times. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's what worries me. The, dur the durability, he does not have Prochnio's, uh durability. I know that for sure. And this, that worries me. That worries me in this fight. So for me, man, I, to me, it's a dogger pass. From a, We're talking about from a, this is a, a betting show, right? So yeah. for me, this is a dogger pass. Uh, I could see Modestus winning this fight, but I don't think the line value is there. I think this is closer to a pick and fight with a high danger factor on Kolo. I think if this fight finishes, it's going to Roundtree. Um, I think it's a dog or pass, man. I, I think this fight's way closer than the lines are the lines are saying. So Eddie, uh, like James pretty much broke down, right? Like it seems like Cleo's pro problem in his last fight was to go out there and actually throw strikes, right? Like you can't win a fight if you're not throwing strikes. And it feels like he needs to do that here against a guy like Bukowski. But how do you drill that into a guy's head to be like, dude, like, this is how you made your name. What, where, where's the holdup? Look at that performance you had against Eric Anders. I mean, good, let's try to bring that back out to you. Obviously, Eric Anders, Modestus, Bukowski, completely different opponents here. But what do you say to a guy like Khalil? Well, first, uh, I like to know how easy, how you fix that is an easy fix, because <laughs> James, because I have a lot of guys that have a problem throwing volume. I would say a lot, but there, there's a handful of guys where I don't know if it's an easy fix. Even like if you look at Tyrone Woodley's last six fights or five fights yeah. the volume wasn't simple there it wasn't two different things it's a simple fix it's it, not an easy fix it's you know a simple what I mean? like, fix it's correct something Doesn't you can change yes yeah i, I don't know if it, it's an easy fix uh for sure i've tried a, a a whole lot of concepts and try to do it one of the ways that sometimes work for some guys like uh i won't mention names but he was a former world champion we used to use colors like or, or anything else so if i say he had a hard time triggering the first. He, he'd always do five-round fights, would always lose the first round, 90-something percent of the fights. So I'm looking at it, and I go, well, we obviously got to start faster. We can't go down 0-1, right? And then so I said, if I say black, for example, I'll say any color. I'll say black 37. The numbers mean nothing, but you have three seconds, we'll say five seconds to throw anything. I don't care if it's a jab from far away or if it's a feint or something. you got to get going. So I would be calling black 90, black 11 black like i'd say 10 times and he maybe he respond three so that was that i've tried all sorts of stuff so I, maybe i'll get on the phone with you later just to see how you guys fix that but we've tried that we we talked about putting a kick count punch count on numbers but yeah some guys do get it they just go you know what i have to throw more and if i don't land this many late kicks or throw this much volume i'm gonna lose the rounds i'm gonna lose the fight but um 
I don't know if that's such an easy fix. I, I don't know too much about Modestus, but uh, it's just depending on style. Sometimes, like, uh, I know for Eric, he's a completely different fighter right now, but uh, I did see that Cleo Roundtree. That was really tough to watch because, you know, yeah. that's our boy. But, uh, you know, he was getting that leg just chop, chop, chop. But um, just depending on the movement of a guy, sometimes you just can't get going. Depending, It also depends if you're a rhythm fighter. I need my rhythm to get going. I need this kind of feints, and, and I need a guy to move this way. Uh, I know guys that fight really well in the pocket, and then once they start running, they can't do anything about it. They can't chase them. They're not patient enough. Um, one thing for, like, even Henry Cejudo versus uh, Dominic Cruz. Dominic is the matador. Henry would always be the bull. I remember our coach uh, Santino would always say, we have we can't fight like a bull. We got to be doing it like this. So I kind of structured his game plan. Say, you know what? We need to be patient. And then, especially his style of kind of rope doping and moving the upper body, you cannot hit that kind of a style. Bobby Green, same way. All those guys, you got to smoke your hands or faint them, and then go to the leg or body. And so our goal was seven kicks around. Um, when I had Cannoneer, same thing with Anderson Silva. We're not going for punches to the head until later on. We're looking to take the body. We're looking to take the leg. Be patient. Be patient, and eventually we'll chop it down. And so, um, someone like a Khalil Lounge, especially a Muay Thai base, I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Muay Thai. That's how I kind of grew up. But as far as stance and everything else, I'm not a fan of for MMA. I don't yeah. think it fits properly. I think he'll have a hard time with chasing with the movement. And that's probably why I didn't get to see all of uh, Khalil's uh, fights. But it might be why his punch count volume kind of went down a little bit. You know. It's kind of easy to stunt that kind of a uh, style, so to speak. And so you got to be really, really good at it. But, um, but yeah, if James says if value's low, the value's low. There's some value to Khalil. I'm going to agree with him. I like it. Again, the, uh, even myself, I feel like this is the least confident on the on the entire card. I'm going Modestus. It seems like uh, James is going Khalil more so for the value than anything considering the line uh, on this fight. All right, let's move on to the next fight. We got David Zavada going up against Alex Morono. Morono, a 4-7 guy, another gym that I'm pretty big on myself. I like me some safe Sayud every now and then. But in terms of uh, this fight, uh, uh, the odds, we're currently looking at minus 120-ish now for Morono. He actually opened up the week at, as a minus 200 favorite. A ton of money coming in on David Zavada, wow. and I don't really understand wow. it myself. Um, I, I like Morono in this spot. I like his volume. Again, maybe not the technically best fighter out there, but his pace, his pressure, his ability to stay in his opponent's face is just, uh, you know, very hard for a lot of fighters to deal with. David Zavada, decent ground game, had ha has had some wars in the UFC, most notably against Danny Roberts, and he did have a very close fight against Ramazan Amiv back in January, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but I think a lot of people are looking into that fight a little bit too much, right? Ramazan Amiv, if I'm not mistaken, was roughly a minus 400, minus 500 favorite, just as he is in pretty much in every single one of his fights. But if you watch Amiv's fights, you know that he goes out there and always has a close fight with his opponent, no matter if he should blow them out of the water or not. He always fights close to his competition. And Zavada got a split. You know, he, he lost a split in that fight. And I think a lot of people are putting a lot of stock into that fight. But I think this is going to be completely different. You know, Ramazan, a little bit more disciplined, waiting for his openings, whereas Morono is just going to march forward, doesn't care really what you're throwing at him. And unless your name is Chaos Williams, more than likely you're not putting Morono's lights out here. Uh, I like Morono here. I like his pace, like his pressure. I like the line now as well minus 120-ish i think that's a, a bit of a gift considering the, the the mismatch i believe here again i don't think morona is a super high level fighter but i think he has all the tools to go out there and Man, be a guy like you David must Spada. be seeing something i'm not bro james like, hit me brother <laughs> you you got some you got some things here spill it no man, you're passionate <laughs> about this you got me thinking now i just i think i think that uh you're talking about skill versus 
pressure, right? Like, yeah. The one thing, that, dude. Honestly, I'm leaning. I'm leaning Zawada. Like, okay. I think he's a better striker. Make your case, James. Wrestler. Make I a think case. He's a better grappler. Skill for skill, he's better wow. everywhere. The one thing I don't like is I don't like his ability to deal with pressure. What's Alex Morano good at? Pressure, right? Yeah. So, but like, I, I, I think his level of competition is just like, like I just. I don't, I don't, I'm just trying to Kubaronos figure out what you're here, I'm missing. What's that? Zavada. Zavada's level of competition. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, bro, it's, it's way better than Morano's. Like Morano's biggest win is against Cowboy, right? Am I missing yeah, something? Yeah, knocked him out last time. Yeah. Back in May. I mean, okay. Who, who, who's his next biggest win? Oof, there not, not many. Max Griffin, maybe? <laughs> I, and I like Morano a lot, but like, dude, going to a split and like, I, Amin is good, bro. Amin is really good. And I don't think that fight was a split decision. I do I, I, I do agree with you. Amin fights down a little bit to the level yeah. of his competition. But, but man, I, I just don't – I don't see it, man. I, I think I think Zawada's uh, the, the, the better here. And I, I lean – I want to lean him on that. I think he's uh, a bigger, more physical, powerful. I think he's better skill for skill in every aspect of the game. Now his ability to deal with pressure and Morano's ability to put on pressure is what scares me a little bit on this, and which is why I'm kind of like 50-50. But dude, minus 200 is is disrespectful in my opinion, like super disrespectful. So I don't know. I'm on Zavada on this one. All right, all right, Eddie. Actually, I want to pose this question to you. So what me and James kind of just talked about. This is a fight where you have guys where you know Zavada is probably the more the skilled guy, the better technical fighter, but that pressure that Morano is able to put on his opponents that makes up for his lack of skill. That makes up for his lack of technique, right? The other fighters that come to mind that I'd like uh, like to kind of refer to are the Brandon Roy Vows, who actually fought that night that you're out there in Vegas as well. Uh, they don't. They may not be the most technical fighter, but the ability to put pressure on and kind of drown their opponents allows them to get the victory more often or not what's your take on that like how do you how do you deal with a guy like morono that just stays in your face and throws 150 punches or or something like that like how can zavada win this fight well one you're gonna need a whole lot of feints and setting traps but i, I am with uh, james on, on that uh, pressure pressure is great but w w with pressure it has to come with something it has to come with takedowns it has to come with you know all sorts of combination if he has a high volume of punch count you're able to set traps on guys like that. I don't know how great of a counterfighter David is, but uh, I mean, just because you pressure me doesn't really mean much. If I can angle off, faint, set traps, I almost kind of entice somebody to keep coming forward, coming forward, so you can actually sit and counter all day. If David is a good counterfighter and he's able to keep that that volume up, because pressure also means that the dude has an unbelievable gas tank too, right? So you're trying to wear somebody out. But if you do have the gas tank and you are a good counterfighter, um, you know, you, you got to go with the, the more skilled guys. I take skill set over anything. So uh, I, I don't take, you know, guys that just put pressure on. Pressure is great, but without a wrestling skill set or something that goes with it, it doesn't really mean anything. Um, as far as when the line opened at minus 200, I know a lot of my friends, uh, one of our buddies, he, he's doing like, you know, pro handicapping or whatever. But anything, and some of my buddies are bookies. Anytime it's at 200, it drops down like 60, 70 points. That's some serious money going the other way. Yeah. It's not going to draw – like even for it to drop 30 points, you're not talking a couple thousand dollars, right? So if the Vegas is line is moving that hard, somebody took advantage of that line is betting super heavy on David. 
So just to keep in mind. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I, I think Zavada's best chance or at least best traits that he brings to the table is his jiu-jitsu. I think that's probably where he gets his best work done. But Morono, black belt himself, I feel like he'll be able to hold his own on the ground if the fight does end up being there. It's more so how does he re how does Zavada react to that pressure on the feet? I don't think he's a great technical striker, honestly, James. I'm not sure if you saw anything different on tape from Zawada if you ran it that deep, but like I think he's gonna struggle on the feet there. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep the train moving on, James. Don't worry. We, we can hold I don't think on to he's that. Bad. I mean, I, I, we'll see. You know, we'll Again, see. We'll, I don't I'm, not, I'm not hitting Just as Eddie said, if the line is good and much, better are two different things. Like, I don't, yes. I don't know. I wouldn't say he's good, but I think he's better than Morono. Yeah. Technically speaking, yes. I, I do agree with that. Technically. Technically speaking, I do agree. All right, let's move on to the co-main event. We got two fights left to go here. We got uh, star-studded, well, not star-studded, at least uh, a ton of hype here on Tom Aspinall. He's coming in around minus 230. Uh, Sergey Spivak plus uh, plus 200-ish on the return here. Uh, I'm liking me some Spivak here. Now, I know I like Tom Aspinall. Like, he looks great on tape and all that. James, I see you already throwing your hands in the air. God Golly. damn it. But let me just make my case here for Spivak before you go out there and you know ride on tom aspinall here tom aspinall like i said looks great in terms of what you see on the surface right great striking has a black belt in jiu-jitsu uh obviously on a three-fight winning streak inside the ufc now putting out jay collier alan baudo and then quickly choking out andre arlovsky but i don't think he has the gas tank to go out there and beat a guy over 15 minutes like a guy like spivak we've seen his losses in the past, most notably to Stuart Austin. I know that was a couple of years ago, but gas is out. Second round gets heel hook, gets out of there. Can't even get out of heel hook at that point in time because he's that gassed. Um, Sergey Spivak has shown he can go a hard 15 minutes if he needs to. He can go out there, grapple fuck you, as I like to call it, so put you up against the cage, drag you to the ground, and just really make it a difficult fight. And he can go do it going into the third round. I think a lot of people are low on Spivak in this spot due to the fact that he had Alec uh, Alexei Olenek that he had went up against last time uh, around, and he didn't finish him. But I truly, even pre-fight, I, I felt like I was one of the only guys that felt he was going to go out there and just decision him here because he can't go balls to the wall on the ground against a guy like Olenek, right? He's going to get caught up in a freaking Ezekiel or some shit if he goes out there and tries to go balls to the wall like he did against Jared Vandera. Here against Tom Aspinall, I think if he survives that early onslaught that Aspinall is inevitably going to throw out there, he should be able to start to take over by pushing him up against the cage, by dragging him to the ground. I haven't seen anything, even including that Stuart Austin fight from Tom Aspinall, that leads me to believe that he can win a 15-minute fight if he's pushed to that point. Sergey Spivak did get blasted by Walt Harris in his UFC debut, I believe 40 seconds into it. Again, I'm going to chalk it up a little bit to UFC jitters. First time in the UFC in front of a big crowd gets blasted. Walt's got Walt, some real power too, though. Walt, like, exactly. Walt, I, I, again, I, I don't mean this as an insult to Walt or anything like that, but I truly believe he's highly uh, KO or bust kind of fighter, right? Goes out there, knocks you out, or more than likely he's going to lose if the fight goes into the second and third rounds. Similar to what I believe with Tom Aspinall. Again, looks pretty on the feet. Looks great with what he's been doing, but I don't think he's been going up against the toughest competition. Andre Alovsky, good fighter and all, but again, you know, very lackadaisical in his approach and very weird finish in that fight too with that rear naked choke. No hooks in or anything. It seems like as soon as Aspinall got his hand around his or, or his arm around his neck, uh, Arlovsky wasn't even going to fight it. He just tapped immediately. Um, I think he's going to deal with a little bit more here from Spivak. Spivak had been training for Tom Aspinall uh, earlier but then I had to pull out. That's when Andre Lasku came in and fought Aspinall. So even though Spivak is coming in on short notice here, he already has a little bit of camp that he's done for a guy like Aspinall. So I'm sure they already have a game plan to go out there and prepare for a guy like this. I know I'm going to be getting shit on all week for this pick, but I do have a couple of good people that I trust out there that are on no, the same side. No, it's not side. a bad pick. It's not a bad but pick. It's especially really not. at the odds. 
you got to prove some more to me before you're a minus 230, minus 240 against a guy that, in my opinion, is already proven as a top 15-ish heavyweight in the UFC. Aspinall might be top 15, but I think this is going to be the test for him to go out there and showcase that he can do it. If he goes out there and knocks out Spivak in the first round, I'm okay with that. We're going to get a better line on the next underdog that Aspinall faces because he's going to be fighting someone even better. James, how do you feel about this fight? I can already tell you're on the Aspinall side. Yeah, no, I'm on the Aspinall, I'm not on the Aspinall side. I'm, I have to, I have to jet after this answer, but I'm going to give you my my okay. honest, uh, my honest answer here. the The thing about the thing about Spivak is the guys that he's fought are have no, nowhere near the athletic ability as Tom Aspinall, and uh, I'm not even disagreeing with what you're saying about Aspinall. I, I don't disagree, and and I'll be honest with you, this fight does scare me a little bit. I I, I straight played Aspinall. But this fight does scare me a little bit. And what you said is exactly why. However, I do think Aspinall could smoke him in the first round. Uh, and even if he doesn't get him out of there in the first round, I, I think the level of athlete that Aspinall is, is like Spivak is just slow. He's plotty. I think Aspinall's skill level will be able to carry him through the end. So we're talking about like Spivak is just getting a hold of, you know, some of these guys and, and kind of just wearing them out. I think the the I think Aspinall is such a better athlete that he's going to be way more efficient. I think he's going to have to use less uh, less energy to do the same thing as some of these other guys that Spivak's been fighting. So um, I think the hand speed is going to play a huge difference. Aspinall has big big speed, big power, and I just I think Aspinall is going to find a way. I think he gets him out of there in the first. If he doesn't, I think he's going to get up too. And then I I just don't I don't. It scares me. It does scare me for exactly what you said, but I'm really big on Aspinall. However, I do want to see, you know, I, this fight will tell me a lot on where Tom Aspinall is. So I don't necessarily disagree with you. I just think Aspinall is going to get it done. All right. I know you got to get out of here in a second. Give me a quick uh, prediction for the main event. And ultimately, who's your strongest play for this weekend? Then I'll wrap this podcast up with Eddie. Yeah, my strongest play, my strong. You're gonna, you're gonna hate me. My strongest play is a parlay. And this, guys, just, just a disclaimer. This is the worst week to ever have me on the show yes, because I hate this card. week. Very tough. It's a card. really tough card to make work. I parlayed Aspinall and Jack Shore. It's at yes. like minus one fifty. Man, but I've been on, I've been on a streak lately. I've been murking it. So I, I think I did LFA last week. I think I went like nineteen for nineteen on, on nice. plays. Good shit. So I, I, it was the best. Last week was the best betting week I've ever had in the history of me betting. So damn, James. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, but the I, I put Shore and Aspinall in a parlay, and you know, it's I don't love it though. You know, what I mean, there's not one fight on this card where I'm in, I'm just in love with it. Uh, yeah. Last week, I was in love with Dustin Jacoby. Yeah. I think I tripled down on great it. Same. Same. Yeah. Stylistically, Jacoby. And he's familiar with Stewart, Stewart as well, a little bit, I'm sure. It's a nightmare for Darren Stewart. Loved that fight. The second it was announced, I'm like, how much money can I put on this fight? <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. There's nothing on this card that I love, though. Uh, so, main event, main event, this is, I, I kind of broke this down on our, on our best bet show, but. Uh, the till till loses fights by one way and one way only, and and Eddie Child knows how to fix it. It's lack of volume. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. So like, if you look at his losses, if you look at the Whitaker fight, if you look at the Gasolum fight, if you look at the there's one more I'm missing. Even the Woodley fight to a certain of, extent, right? Uh, Didn't throw any strikes in the first round. Wonder Boy. It's not even like he's losing. Like the Wonder Boy fight, he, I can't even say he lost that fight because it's so damn boring. Nobody did anything yeah. for 25 yeah. minutes. Like. Okay, you lost on the decision, but nobody even got hit. They didn't do anything. What I love about this fight is we're gonna see Dar uh, we're gonna see Darren Till's best work, and I'll tell you why. It's because Darren Brunson is gonna make him fight. Brunson is gonna be right here, 
the whole time. He's going to wrestle. He's going to grapple. And uh, I do like Till in this fight. He's got good hips. He stops the takedown really well. And I love that Brunson's going to make him fight. And uh, I think guys guys that get made to fight, some of them do a lot better. I think Darren Till falls right into this category. And guys that pressure him, press him, and make him throw, that's when his best work comes out. Uh, and, and with Brunson... Brunson is is he's a little hittable at times, but I'm telling you guys right now, I wouldn't be surprised if Br- I feel like Brunson's coming into his own. He's looked a lot better. I'm leaning Till on this just because I think Brunson's gonna force him to to be active. But this one is a is a, is a tough one to pick as well, man. This is really tough. I'm leaning Till. I played Till, but I wouldn't be surprised if 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 Brunson finds a way to win. Method of victory. Do you think he knocks him out, or do you think this goes to a decision? I think he'll get Brunson out of there if Till wins. I like it. I like it. All right, James, you can head on out of here. Is there anything you you want to plug on the way out here? No, man, I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm sorry I got a jet a little early. No worries. No worries. I appreciate you coming out and uh, have a great dinner. I'm assuming that's what you guys are getting set up for right now. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you, man. Bye. All right, Eddie, we're going to actually just go back a little bit here to the uh, the Aspinall and Spivak fight. I want to, I'm not sure how familiar you are with either of these guys here, but more so for me, it's the. Choosing to bet on a guy that you know that could potentially have cardio issues just because we haven't seen it on tape, and the only time we have seen it on tape he goes out there and loses, albeit it was four or five years ago. How do you kind of approach a fight from that, like in a betting perspective, or or even just even a coaching perspective? Like if you're Sergey Spivak's coach, what do you kind of tell him here? Is Sergey the guy that gasses? That no, it's Tom Aspinall. Oh, at least, like, oh, okay. Aspinall looks like he gasses. He his loss, his last loss, I believe, was him gassing out in the second round and then getting heel hooked. Uh, you know, even though he's a black belt, didn't have the cardio to you know upstand that black belt. What, what do you tell a guy like Spivak back there? It's tough to say. Uh, I've seen Aspinall fight a few times. I know he's a finisher, right? Uh, I was yeah. Just kind of looking at his record, got a first round, first round, second round, and so forth. So a lot of times when you're used to getting guys out of there, sometimes uh, you're kind of expecting it. You hurt somebody, you kind of blow your load real quick and, and things like that. But uh, finishing is a skill set in itself too, you know. I mean, uh, I know I have some guys, some fighters where, you know, they, they think they hurt somebody, they get so excited, they go in there. Then you got finisher really like world-class finishers where they hurt them, they relax, they know they're not going to recover in 20, 30 seconds. Their equilibrium's off, they take their time, they're looking for one shot, one shot pressuring not getting taken down by throwing all wild and so um i think those are things that you just kind of rep and and, and practice and things like that but unfortunately again i don't know these two as well enough to uh bet on i think last week's card was really tough to bet on as well yeah the lfa fights are a lot easier because we know a lot of the local guys and especially if you know the coaches and stuff i mean you know who's literally going to win i know our uh one of my buddies went three for three so i follow that partly uh, I hate parlays, but then at the same time, when they're minus 300 plus, you got to go three guys to just get even money, you know? And so I, I haven't get, getting accustomed to that a little bit, but uh, I do like betting straight up. I promise, Eddie, next time I bring you on this, we're going to have a, a card where you know every fucking money on the card. It's got to well, be review card for you for yourself to hear because i want to get you i wanted to get you to feel comfortable in this type of space right to talk about bets and and fights and but you know you can only do so much if you don't know too much about the fighters yeah no and i apologize i knew i was coming on the show a little like a week in advance or probably longer than that but uh it's been so so busy with work and stuff like that and then like james was saying we watch so much film when we get home like the minute i got home now i'll probably eat hour and you know play with the dogs a little bit but then uh after, I got a call. After that, um, 
back to watching film again, you know, breaking it down. We have, I think, four or five fights coming up right now. So we're always trying to, am I missing something? Am I looking something? Then we watch the film of, of all the sparring rounds that we do. We record those. So those, <laughs> that in itself is already a couple hours and stuff like that. And then I don't watch it once. I'm kind of like James. I'm a nerd. I'll rewind it, look at it, rewind that piece. How, why did he, I don't look at when he got punched. How did he set, get set up to get punched and yeah. kicked? Where was the takedown? When is he breathing heavy? What was his heart rate variability? All these little things and equations that, that you know, that take in and taking our time. So I am not prepared for this thing. I actually looked at the, <laughs> I looked at the car and I go, oh, crap. But the really, um, as far as like betting structure, I know some of my friends, like I talked about, that, that are real pros at this, that they do this for a living. They're literally putting in hours. It's Trust me, Eddie. It's like, it's it's like, like a- it's, like it's yourself, a huge grind right? just like i like i i've seen a lot of similarities between like coaches and 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 gamblers who at least take it as seriously as guys like myself we grind tape like you have to really know what you put your yep. money on what you're investing it's not just oh i see these guys are two big favorites let me just probably them together and i'll probably make some money no you're gonna find a, a spot like like a couple weeks ago we had rafi on stats against magomed magomedov right magomed yes. magomedov huge favorite starts has all the chops to go out there and beat a guy like that but you wouldn't know that unless you watch the, the tape and see that the plus 400 is actually worth it on a guy like rafian stott so uh, don't don't worry eddie i know you're gonna have uh, a ton more spots on here that uh, we can get you to, to talk about some fights that that you actually know the fighters but luckily for us the main event which we're going to get on to the next year and i'll let you go within the next 10 minutes or so uh, Derek Brunson versus Darren Till. I'm sure you know enough about these guys to give us a little bit of a take. Uh, how do you feel this fight's going to go down? Who do you think ends up getting their win? And then ultimately, what do you think about the betting line as well? We got Till right now, I believe, uh, where's the odds here? Minus, minus 160, minus 160, minus 170 on Darren Till. Yeah, that one I do know. Uh, <laughs> lucky for us, but uh, I've been going back and forth with with it. To be honest with you, I thought they ought to be a little bit even, more even, and stuff like that. Especially Darren Brun Derek Brunson has been on a tear ever since he's been to Sam Sanford MMA with uh, Coach Henry Hoof. I think they've finally got kind of a good click. I thought uh, against Shabazian, that was a great, great victory. Uh, but. I think uh, people don't take into consideration this is a fight night, which is in the Apex Center, the smaller cage. Um, even for Zombie, that, that was the first time that he ever fought in Vegas, and then the first time was actually in the Apex Center. But he was like, this is so small. And I go, I told you. I go, this is a cage like we've literally been training in. He goes, oh, this is awesome. This is great. But you're talking about uh, 170 guys that look like 85ers. It's a small cage. I mean, you run like a one-level change faint, you're going to back up all the way to that black line, you know, the three foot line. Track, and yeah. so, uh, but Darren Till does have great takedown defense. And, and I do agree with James that he will make, he's going to come forward and try to make you fight. If you do that, that left hand uh, of, of Tills is pretty nasty. So I keep going back and forth with them, but uh, for me, a lot of times I, I ride momentum, which equals confidence in the new camp that he's found. So with that plus 140 or 130 or whatever it may be, I like Darren Brunson. I mean, uh, like we talked about, um, you know, that punch count and stuff like that. I don't know if that's an easy fix. I'm going to have to call James later and <laughs> and, and talk about that and ask him what, what the secret is because I'm going to be honest with you. Guys get cracked or they get taken down, they get gun shy. You see it all the time. Um, <clears throat> we have a mental coach now that, that we, some of the guys have been working with, especially Mark Matson. Um, uh, so, Hopefully that that'll be a good fix, you know. Uh, my shout out to Mindset Mike. He's he, he's helped us out last camp, and um, I think that truly truly makes a difference. And that's what we were kind of missing in our team. Yeah, no. But I'm, I, 
I hate to say it, but I, I'm going to go with Brunson. I love Till. My heart says Till, but I've been so cold on my picks anyway. If anybody's <laughs> listening, whoever I like, you should go the opposite. Fade Eddie and, uh, Chaw is what he said. <laughs> yeah. And to be honest with you, besides James, if you ask any UFC fighter or, or most coaches, everyone thinks they know the sport so well, which we do, but sometimes we know too much and we're not studying film on that individual fight that you want to bet on. If you bet opposite of us, you'd probably win 70% of the time. Oh, wow. I'm I serious. think you're being a little harsh, Eddie. Come on. I swear to you besides, it's not bad? besides my boy, uh, our coach, Santino DeFranco, that guy kills it. He went 13-1 and last week. You should have him on the show. I want to. I was actually going to see if I can finagle my way into fight right will, and see if you can give me uh, DeFranco as well because I'm a big fan of his I will, as well. I will, get you on, I will get him on the show. He He's my go-to guy on picks. I don't pick anymore. I just say, <laughs> what do you like? Who do you like? That's it. Yeah. So he's, he's my man. Well, I am actually going to fade Eddie Chaw this weekend as well. I'm going to be going on the Darren Taylor side of things. I do think even though he is a low-volume type of fighter, I don't think that's going to matter too much in a fight like this. I do believe that Derek Brunson will be successful in landing on takedowns early in this fight. But I think the longer that it goes, I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult for him for one, to secure those takedowns, and two, actually secure top position in this fight. Darren Taylor, 82% takedown defense, and he has shown that he has a good ability to get back to his feet. And I do think that he's actually going to let those hands go and actually find that chin of Derek Brunson to this fight goes. I had bets on Derek Brunson the last two fights against Edmund Shabazzian as a big dog, and then obviously as Kevin Holland last time around. But most notably for the Kevin Holland fight, the reason I bet him is because Kevin Holland has non-existent takedown defense. And unluckily for Derek Brunson this weekend, Till is going to be stuffing those uh, takedowns, and then Derek Brunson is going to have to you know, go out there and have to strike. And Brunson, let's not overlook it. He does have some good power in his hands. We do remember the knockouts that he's had earlier in, in his career, so he's definitely live for a KO in the spot as well. But I do think that we'll see that striking of Darren Till shine through in the spot, and uh, he'll eventually find that, that knockout. I remember clenching my ass cheeks when Kevin Holland got up every single time against Derek Brunson later in that fight because I thought anytime Kevin Holland threw a combination, he could end Derek Brunson's night. And now we have a more reliable takedown defense artist like Darren Till, a more reliable knockout puncher like Derek T Darren Till. I like Darren Till in this spot. I do think he goes out there, uh, bounces back from that Robert Whitaker loss and gets back into the win column. I'm taking Darren Till fourth round KO in this spot. Uh, maybe you can ask uh, Santino as well where he's on so that I can be a little bit more comfortable in that spot. Yeah. I will say this, me and James have been harping on it all week. Very tough card to bet. Not to mention we did lose a fight earlier today with uh, Jonathan Martinez and Marcelo Rojo no longer taking place. So we're down to nine oh, fights. Yeah. Yeah, Martinez missed weight by two pounds, I believe, and then he was medically cleared to to fight after that uh, third weight miss on his career as well. Well, not a good look, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I got tail. Uh, Eddie, one, one, two things I actually want to ask you, and then I'll let you go here uh, in the next five minutes or so. Uh, you, you mentioned the small cage and the big cage, right? Uh, I think it's a little bit more smoke and mirrors than anything. But you yourself, how do you view that? Like, what, what? how much of a difference is a smaller cage than the bigger cage? Like, does it truly have a huge difference? Like, will it decide the outcome of a fight? Like, is it that significant? Uh, I, to me, and I know all our guys, it makes a big difference, especially when it comes down to what our game plans are going to be. Um, it makes a big difference. I think, I don't know what the diameter is for the small cage, but the I think big it's 32 and 25, 25. Yeah. So that foot radius, it, it's, it's a world of difference. Like when you talk about one or two feints, you're, you're, we call it the black line. Um, when your back legs on that line, you can't go back anymore. If you do, you're going to hit the cage, you know, things like that. You just have so much more space to move as a striker. 
especially depending on weight classes too. I mean, yeah. maybe if you're a flyweight and stuff like that, it's not too big of a deal. But when you're talking um, 70 and up, especially the, the heavyweights and stuff, man, there's not much space to move. So um, as a wrestler, yeah, you want to have, you want that small cage. Yeah. As a striker, you want as much space as possible. And so um, the game planning is different. You know, I think it's a huge, huge difference. Um, some people may not think it's a, not a big deal. They can fight in a two by ten by ten, or a two by two, or a thirty by thirty. <laughs> but if you if you ask most guys, if you ask any striker, they're going to prefer a big cage. If you gave them a choice, if you ask any any wrestler, they're going to probably say the smaller cage, right? So I mean, if they have a preference, it makes a difference. That's what I think. All right, last thing here, and then I'll let you go. Uh, you're just talking about a wrestler. You guys just had Marco Madsen go out there and beat the veteran Clay Guida, but we saw a completely different Mark Madsen, right? I felt as though you guys realized that he has a little bit of a ca gas tank issue at times and decided not to exert too much energy by making him wrestle early in this fight. Was the entire game plan of that fight to just go out there, reserve as much energy as possible to go 50 minutes and just put on a, not a striking clinic, but like a, you know, a striking fight rather than what most people expected from Mark Madsen that night? No, actually, our game plan was to take him down in 90 seconds and then go for another <laughs> takedown in the last 90 seconds. And I'm dead serious. Uh, really interesting. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, it never works out the way you want it to, obviously. But um, hats off to Clay Guida and his team uh, because he did such a great job of keeping his elbows in and not being able for a Greco guy to start to wrestle with him upper body and stuff like that. And um, we knew eventually that they would be prepared for that. So we prepare for knees as a counter. So if you, if you're not going to give us the underhooks and everything else, we're just going to throw knees down the middle is what he did in the first round. Um, he did tell me his shoulder was a little heavy in the right, the right hand for some reason. So he wasn't able to fire it. So we continued to jab, jab and jab. Thank gosh we worked that jab. Yeah. Um, but he's improved so much. If you and people weren't impressed with that performance, and he's not a striker by all means. He's only been in this sport for a couple of years, and but um, I don't know if you saw the interviews with everything of what he's been through in the last few yeah, years. Crazy whirlwind. I mean that. Uh, I was at the hotel when he went to weigh-ins, and that I was in tears. And someone was like, "Did you see the interview?" I was like, "Oh no, I haven't seen it." And uh, I think my owner called me. He goes, "You got to watch it." So he sent me the link, and we were literally just wiping our tears and. I, I yeah, Mark came back. I hugged him, and uh, he did tell me briefly about his house, and you know, I knew his wife had MS, and you know, and, and all these things. But the way he described everything he was going through, you know, um, it was super, super emotional. So that victory, just him being there, was a victory in itself. But uh, you know, at his age, we told him, was like he he told me actually, he goes. I have one goal in the sport. I don't need money. I don't need anything else. Everything I've, I've done, I've done for a goal, and that's to win an Olympic medal, or that's here to win the uh, the UFC belt. So we have one goal in mind, and so we're going up the ladder, like he already called out Gillespie, and we yeah, got another guy. That would be a fucking phenomenal fight, Eddie. Yeah. Apologies for my language, but I, as yeah. soon as I heard him call him out there, I was like, please let's book that i'm not sure if gillespie will actually take it because it's a considered like a you know lower ranked guy and gillespie's trying to look yep. up so but i i hope that they actually make that uh together i, I promise yep. last thing because i geeked out a little bit over this martin catman i love that dude having him over there was, was he actually at fight ready with you guys or did he just come through during fight week how how did that work so, out? he he came on fight week um we were in contact with him and and uh Mark had him on. We, we have a, a WhatsApp for the whole team, everybody involved in the camp. So we'll send videos in there. We we talk about, you know, notes and stuff like that. So Martin was involved in that. He was watching all our rounds. But um, he's Martin's the man. What can I say? Uh, first time meeting him out there, too. But I've been a big fan of him. 
uh, we got on Zoom. Zombie was a big fan of him. So I, he's like, oh, my gosh, Mark Kevin. And I know. Everybody geeks so, over him, man. Yeah, everyone loves him. He was more famous than Mark. <laughs> uh, and then they sang me happy birthday in, in, in Dutch or Danish. And that was awesome because uh, my birthday was out there. But Martin's the man. We uh, we hung out. We talked a lot about philosophies and why he retired. And he played poker, too. And I used to be a professional poker player. So we played poker together. And it was just a lot of fun for fight week with him. Eddie, uh, you this little experience, this 10, 15, 20 minutes for myself has been huge in terms of I've never really been a fan of doing interviews over Zoom or anything like that. I used to do a show where I had people actually come into my studio and we used to like do a face to face. But now like people seem to be enjoying it. I think I'm going to start doing it a little bit more and start bringing some people on and actually talk to them in this space rather than just from a betting perspective. But you definitely got to finagle me into with uh, Santino DeFranco because we need those picks, man. We word. need those picks if this guy's on fire. <laughs> you have my word. Uh, Santino will be on this show. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Uh, anything you want to plug on the back end here and then I'll let you go, brother. Anything you want to shout out? Anybody you want to, anything you want to say? Shout out Rex Lee. Anything you want to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, shout out to Rex Lee because I, I was telling him too today or uh, I told him today and last time. I usually don't do like long interviews because I just feel like I'm boring. There's nothing really much Hell to talk nah, about Eddie. besides Hell my nah. fighters and stuff like that. So I usually try to keep it short and sweet. And plus, I'm so busy. But then uh, Rex is like, it's a really good friend of mine. You have to do it. So shout out to Rex Lee. I had a great time here. Um, I will get my man Santino DeFranco on here. And uh, shout out to all the Fight Ready fighters. Uh, that's our that's our home base. And uh, that's it. I know. Thank you for having me on the it. show. No, no worries, brother. I know a lot of people are looking forward to having Wally Zhang fight out of your training camp and see what she can do different when she takes on uh, uh, Rose Namunas. I believe, like you said, that's about seven weeks away, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, shout out Eddie Chaw, shout out Fight Ready, shout out all those guys. Eddie, I appreciate you. I will be fading you in the main event, unfortunately. I will be taking your <laughs> intro, not Derek Brunson. You might, I might have changed my mind just because of the way you described that. <laughs> no, nah, Eddie, it. come on, stick with it, stick with it, stick with it. I love, right, it. Eddie. I love it. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, brother. Take it easy, guy. Thank you. Have a good day. No guys. worries. Bye. All right. Everybody, that was uh, a pretty damn good episode, man. I, I know we kind of got off the rails at times, but it's hard to kind of stay on the rails when you have two guys like that. So I'm hoping that you really guys, uh, hope you guys really enjoy that. I think I'm going to do some more interview type style type of things, but I want to see if guys are down to do like, you know, half an hour, 45 minute type stuff. Like I want to sit, chill and just kind of pick their brain. And I'm sure a lot of people really enjoyed it. Um, we did get all the picks. Uh, I believe Mr. Kraus is on Darren Till. I'm on Darren Till. Um, Eddie Chaw went with uh, with uh, Derek Brunson there as he believes that the, the confidence from his momentum that he's riding right now is going to be a lot. Uh, appreciate everybody that uh, slid into the uh, chat. Uh, and uh, if you guys haven't already, make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe. I will do my best in terms of keeping the level of a uh, guest uh, at, at the top as tier as I can. But uh, the, the main thing is making sure these guys know who the fighters are and all that, right? Like I really... Honestly, didn't know Eddie Chaw. Uh, didn't know about most of the fighters until about like an hour before the show. So I felt a little bit bad in terms of bringing him on. So I tried involving him as much as I could without uh, him, you know, kind of being embarrassed about the fact that he didn't know some of the fighters. So I'll be a little bit more conscious about that moving forward in terms of making sure these guys know who they're talking about and we can get you guys a little bit more betting stuff from there. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm really looking forward to... Um, uh, to that, uh, Nigel Lee. I know. Uh, can we have more chat interaction? The the issue with this stream though was the fact that James had a little bit of a hard out, and we had to hit that at, at that one hour mark. So I just try to like I don't want to waste too much of their time. Again, they're doing this pro bono, right? They're they're not getting out of the, anything out of this. They're just doing a favor for Rex Lee, like Eddie Chaw did. 
you know, James Cross, I think he's just too nice to say no at times. So, uh, yeah, that's why I don't do too many chat interactions when I have guys on here. I do keep my eye on the chat in case there's a question that I do want to ask these guys uh, that comes up. So I appreciate that. All right. Um, my lock of the night play, honestly, this might be a first in my history. I might not have to even do a lock of the night play for this card. It is it is quite tough. I, I do feel most strongly about Marc-Andre Barriot and Darren Till. I might just make like a two-unit play on one of those two guys and then a half-unit play on a dog of the night play. I do not feel good about this card whatsoever. So I need to um, I need to uh, make sure I, uh, I played safely here. So I'm not afraid to not have a lock of the night play for this weekend. So don't be surprised if there is no lock of the night play for this weekend. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much a wrap. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hit that like, hit that subscribe, and uh, we will see you guys. Actually, there is no show next week. There is no UFC event next week, so we do have a week off. Uh, I will be dropping some written breakdowns on the Contender Series fight, so if you guys want to check that out, that's going to be on the Patreon, 5 bucks a month. Link is in the description below. Uh, otherwise, you guys won't be hearing much from me until next uh, the following week when we come back, I believe, for Ryan Spann versus Anthony Smith. 15 fights currently scheduled for that, so a ton, of, ton to get through. So I'm glad that we have a week off in between so that we can take our time getting through that. All right. Appreciate you guys joining the show, checking it out. Hit that like, hit that subscribe, and I will see you guys in roughly two weeks or so.